Christmas uh, amazing time of the year. It's uh, colorful, it's loud, the landscape, it's, it's changing. Stores, homes are decorating. How many of you have got your home already de- decorated? All right. You know, neighborhoods brighten up. You know, music changes. Joy to the world and white Christmas and have a holly jolly Christmas. And I saw Grandma kissing Santa Claus, that kind of stuff. And the normal uh, programming on TV kind of goes on hiatus and it's replaced with uh, Christmas specials. And I'm just curious, how many of you have a tradition of watching a few Christmas movies before Christmas? Let's see. All right. All right. What I want to do, how many of you have a favorite Christmas movie? All right. I'm going to uh, count to three. I don't want you to be shy, but I want you to yell out your favorite Christmas movie, okay? One, two, three. Yeah, it sounded like blah, 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 up here. But, uh, you know, from Thanksgiving to the new year, Netflix, uh, their streaming changes. And they dedicate more of their uh, in-house bandwidth to Christmas movies. And uh, so I thought it would be fun to uh, stream a few Christmas classics. And so welcome to Netflixmas uh, today. I thought it'd be fun. I thought it would be a little uh, nostalgic. And uh, Cindy and I, every year, we have a rotation of movies that we watch. We like uh, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, Christmas Story, Scrooged, Christmas Vacation, might be our favorite. I know you're disappointed in me, aren't you? Um, save all the letters. I, I, I understand. I'm not recommending the movie, but for us, uh, it's really uh, pretty, pretty close to our heart. And I, I s- need to share this. I've shared this before uh, several years ago, but it'll help explain why Christmas Vacation is one of our favorites. You know, Cindy and I had not been married very long, a couple years, and at the time, we'd made a lot of shifts as a, as a family. Cindy had stepped away from a job. She was creative coordinator at a card company. She was in college full-time, going to McMurray, uh, studying to, to be a teacher. I had left the post office, and I was pastoring three churches in the northwestern area, and I was going to seminary in Chicago at uh, Bethany uh, Theological. And so money was tight, time was tight, we didn't have much margin in, in our lives. We had been running really hard a- as a family, and we needed a Christmas vacation. And so we were trying to figure out how to, how to swing this vacation, just on all fronts. And so we're trying to figure it out. A friend of mine was a uh, travel agent, and she found us a, a really good deal to Padre Island. In fact, an incredible deal. And when we saw the brochure, it's what sold us. It had this incredible hotel on it. It showed people sunning. They were on this pristine beach. They they had this gorgeous pool, spectacular restaurants in in the hotel. And so we booked the trip. And this is no joke. We we had the uh, brochure out. And we looked at it almost every day. Now, this is before Internet was real big. And so we'd look at that brochure. And we're getting jazzed as a family. We packed our uh, bags Christmas Eve uh, afternoon or morning, 
And after the Christmas Eve service, I'll be honest, we could hardly sleep. And Christmas morning, we got up, we headed to the airport for this trip of a lifetime. So get expectations are high, right? We land, the pilot comes over and goes, which translated was, welcome to Harlingen, local time, 1.30 p.m., temperature, 36. That's where the trip went south, and it wasn't in a good way, all right? We uh, picked up our rental car. It was really small, really small. We finally got it loaded. We looked like we belonged to the circus, all right? We arrive at, at Padre Island. We pull in. We got on the strip. There's one traffic light. It's not even operating. It's just blinking, it looked like a ghost town. It really did. We began to look for our hotel, and we're driving back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And we're like, it's got to be here. It's got to be here. And we're, we're looking. We kept looking at the brochure, trying to, trying to spot the hotel. The sign had fallen down for the hotel. And so we finally, we finally found it. We pull in the parking lot. There are just a couple cars in the parking lot. And we began debating whether this hotel is even open. We walked in the lobby. We're wondering if it's operational at this point. And after searching for a little bit, we found a clerk finally. And they said, oh, no, you're in the right place. And uh, they gave us keys, and we headed up to the room. As we're heading to the room, we go past the spectacular uh, restaurants. Big sign, closed for the season. Most of the restaurants in this town were closed for the season. We got to our room. It looked like it hadn't been remodeled in maybe 25 years. It may not have been cleaned in 25 years. The first room we got was so dirty and so smelly that Cindy and I just looked at each other. I walked back down. I said, do you have another room? Now, this was like the dumb, dumbest question in the world, all right? They had lots of rooms. There was nobody in this hotel. It was empty. And so they gave me another set of keys. I go back up, look, same, same experience, back down, get another set of keys. We do this quite a few times. And each time I'm inspecting the rooms, and I go, do you have anything else? And finally, this is no joke, they just went and they got a big pile of keys and they put them on the thing and said, pick one out. And so I took all these keys and we just went from room to room to room until finally we found one that it wasn't necessarily a whole lot better, but it had a kitchenette in it, which meant there was a stove in it. And that was really the key to us making the decision because it was colder inside the hotel than it was outside. We could see our breath in, in the room. And those of you who know anything about Texas, uh, they have these little heaters. I mean, they're really itty-bitty. And they can maybe take off two, three, four, five degrees maybe off the room. And so we thought, okay, we'll use the stove, try and, try and raise the temp. So we uh, got into the room. We're unpacking. I've got the stove going. I've got the heater running. And it's still really cold. Finally, I decided more is better. 
Right, guys? Huh? More's always better. And so I turn the stove all the way up. I turn all the burners on the stove on. And that's when things went dark. <laughs> I blew the power out in, in the room. And so then I'm trying to figure out, that's a long story in itself, but I'm not wanting to go tell them this is what's happened. And so finally get the power back on in the room. And when I said that the hotel was empty, that's not really true. There was another couple that was there for several days before anybody even showed up. But in our uh, room was our family, the four of us. And then we had about 10,000 ants. No uncles, just ants, all right? Six-legged kind. They, they were pouring in because it was so cold outside. They're just pouring into our room. And so what you find on this Christmas day is we're all huddled in our bed, trying to stay warm, all covered up. Our daughter, Stacy, had the flu at this point. I will not share those gory details with you. The rest of us are eating uh, pizza and sub that we found at the local convenience store, I mean, because nothing else was open that day. And then we're worried maybe we're going to get sick from eat, eating the food. We're laying in bed. Now, I have to say we had a great view of the pool and the beach. Not through the window. You could not see through the window. It was underneath the door. They'd cut the door about three inches short. So you could lay on the bed, and, and Alicia's like, Hey, Dad, I can count all the dead birds out in the pool. And there were. There were a bunch of dead birds in the pool. And Cindy and I are looking at the beach, and we're thinking, where did all this garbage come from? Now, I could go on and on and on. We laugh about it now. Uh, affectionately call it our Christmas vacation from hell. <laughs> it's a trip we will never forget. And it is a trip I would not recommend, all right? <laughs> That's the setting. We're huddled in the covers. We are stressed out. Disappointed. And we turn on a little 20-inch TV. Horrible quality, horrible quality. And we watch... National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for the very first time. And it was the perfect movie for a very imperfect day. And we uh, watched uh, the Griswolds as their Christmas kind of unfolded. And from the very onset, I mean, it just, it, it struck a chord and, and we laughed uh, how many of you have seen Christmas Vacation, by the way? All right. How many of you are very disappointed? That's one of my favorites. <laughs> it, it had us from that moment. <laughs> when you think about the Christmas holidays, if you were to describe it, what, what word comes to mind? You know, for some, it, it is a time of wonder and amazement, full of uh, a lot of nostalgia, traditions. But for others, in fact, for many, it's a time of stress. You know, there's shopping, and there's bills, and 
It's a season that's hectic. You might even say a hassle sometimes. Expectations high. Anxiety. Disappointment even higher. I think that's the the chord that this movie hits. I mean, as you watch... uh, Clark Griswold is, he's trying to pursue this perfect Christmas experience. He wanted his uh, family to kind of have the Norman Rockwell Christmas. Wants everything just right. Good old-fashioned family Christmas. And then he's just met with one mishap after another. You know, something as simple as that perfect Christmas tree. It became a whole comedy of errors. I mean, it finally ends up burned up in the in the living room, you know. I won't mention the cat. I mean, he had nine lives and spent them all. Family started arriving, some invited, and some unexpected. Crazy family dynamics. Off the chain. I mean, and who, who could forget the lights? There, there's a lot of disappointment around the lights. You remember that? Yeah, the lights, they, they were a big part of the, the Griswold's Christmas chaos. And, uh, and, in fact, somebody forgot to plug ours in. So, yeah. They, stage look good? Yeah. They, you know, I, I was looking at it, and now I know what's, what's wrong, because it's not quite uh, the Griswold great up here, I, I don't think. Do you, you want to you see these? want to see these? Yeah. All right, all right. I'm going to warn you. You might want to shade your eyes a little bit, all right? I don't want anybody to go blind, but uh, you ready? All right, help, help me count down. Five, four, three, two, one. Sometimes things don't go as you planned. Don't you hate that? I mean, especially this time of the year. Between the stress, the pressures, the disappointment, the demands. I mean, sometimes, if you're honest, you wouldn't mind taking a vacation from Christmas. I hear it often when I'm talking to people. People say it. I mean, they say it different ways, but they're like, here's to surviving Christmas, you know. Can't wait till this is over. Some of you are thinking, you know, my family makes the Griswolds look kind of tame. <laughs> Christmas is hectic. It can be crazy. Christmas is never perfect. It's full of challenges and stress and disappointment. And when I, when I think about that, I think, you know, it's not a whole lot different than the first Christmas. I mean, sure, the first Christmas was amazing. It was wonderful. But it also was stressful and hectic and out of control. You know, Matthew writes, he says... Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph before they'd lived together or been together, 
she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just kind of pause right there. Here's a young couple that's engaged. Mary's a, a young woman, young girl, actually. She's probably 14 or so. And she's become pregnant. Now, this is a culture that is very different than our culture. Mary, Mary's pregnant. Her friends and family know it. It's not okay with them. It is not what Mary and Joseph planned. You know, I, am, I am sure that when they first got engaged, it was an exciting time. You know, they're telling family, they're having engagement parties, they're preparing for the wedding, and then it just got really, really messy. A lot of complications, a lot of chaos. You know, an angel visits Mary and informs her that she's pregnant. I want you to think about that. Can you imagine? Hey, you're pregnant. I mean, she's a virgin. She's never been with a man. And now she's got to tell Joseph, her fiancé. I mean, this is a tough conversation. And we know from Scripture that the conversation did not go well. Scripture says her husband, Joseph being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Think about all the the family pressures that immediately happened. All the questions, all the speculations, all the innuendos that were floating around. I mean, the community is buzzing. They were not buying the story. And in that day... People, for the most part, would have shunned her, maybe even mistreated her or been really mean to her. It was a tough situation. And then to to top it off, Joseph isn't buying her story either. Now, I know Joseph must have loved her because he could have stoned her to death. That was the way in that day. But Joseph, he's just going to walk away quietly. Why did he do that? Well, he's trying to protect her. He figures he can just leave and then it'll, it'll just diffuse a little bit. It says, but just when he had resolved to do this, to take off, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. They had all this stuff going on. It's messy, chaotic, hectic, crazy. Things aren't going as they planned that, that first Christmas. And if it hadn't been for the angel appearing to Joseph in a dream, I think he would have quietly disappeared. You know, just taking off in the middle of the night. It's what we tend to do, isn't it? When things kind of go south in our lives, when the tension gets uncomfortable, when it gets unbearable. I mean, it's what happened in Christmas vacation. You remember the Griswold family? I mean, the things had gotten so bad in the household. The tensions were so high that you got, you got this moment where it's just unbearable anymore. And the relatives, they're packing up their bags and they, they're getting ready to go out the, the door. They're going to escape. And, and Clark catches them at the door. 
as they're trying to sneak out. And I, I love, love the scene because he goes, where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. No, no, nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out of this good old-fashioned family Christmas. And then he goes, no, no, no. Yeah. We're all in this together. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency. We are going to press on. And we are going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas. And then he went on a long rant, which I can't repeat. And, uh, the, but I think you get the idea. I mean, it, it just required too much sanit- sanitizing of the, the text. Here's the deal. I think we try and sanitize Christmas. Because it was messy. It was complicated. It was a four-alarm emergency. The Emperor Augustus declared that everyone was to return to their birthplace. Why? So they could register to pay a new tax. It is not what Mary and Joseph had planned on. They hadn't planned on paying a bill. They hadn't planned on taking a trip. Sound familiar? That bill that you hadn't planned on paying? That trip that you hadn't planned on taking? Something cost more than you expect it to cost? So you got Mary and Joseph, they're taking care of things. They're making preparations for being away from home. They're packing their bags. I'm sure they're worried about this trip. You know, what if the baby arrives while they're traveling? Nine months pregnant, think about it forced to travel 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem because of a census so they could pay more taxes. How exciting, huh? Can you imagine? 70 miles. They probably walked. They may have ridden on a donkey, but they probably walked. Rough roads, no rest stops, no convenience stores. Mary's pregnant, which translated, she's miserable. And I'm pretty sure that this trip was not a hap, hap, happy journey. I mean, it is no vacation you would choose. It's a four-alarm holiday. And so they make this miserable journey. And they get to Bethlehem. And there's no room in the inn. Yeehaw. It's really got good now. I mean, they end up out back in a smelly, dirty stable. And I believe if they hadn't kept their focus on God, things could have really got messy. You read the, the story. I mean, it, it is full of wonder. It is full of grace. But I also imagine that there are those moments, things that aren't recorded in Scripture. I mean, we we tend to read and we lean toward the nostalgic, don't we? The pretty, the romantic. We really prefer the kind of glamorized version of the nativity. 
you know, Christmas 2.0, digitally enhanced kind of thing. Mary, she's all rested and aglow. Makeup's perfect. Her hair's perfect. Her wardrobe, very elegant and pristine. Joseph, he's very stately. GQ almost. It's a five-star luxury stable with amenities. No dust. Nothing out of place. It's warm and toasty. The animals, they're all nice and orderly. I mean, they take the stage kind of like a kennel show. You know, they're clean. They're well-groomed. Friends, here's the truth. Mary and Joseph, they're worn out. The stable, the animals, it's dirty. It's noisy. It's smelly. And I guarantee you, it was not glamorous. It was not what they planned. It was one challenge after another, a lot of hassles, a lot of mishaps, a lot of problems along the way. I imagine there came a point for them where they had to laugh to keep from crying. I think it would have been so easy for Mary and Joseph to have just lost it at some point. It's Christmas. I mean, Christmas can be messy. You know, the the Griswold's Christmas, he wanted that good old-fashioned Christmas, and it just comes unraveled. You know, and Clark and his wife are, are talking, and Ellen says, like only a wife can say, she says, You set that standard that no family activity can live up to. He goes, when have I ever done that? Weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, funerals, holidays, vacations, graduations. I I don't know what to say except it's Christmas and we're all in misery. It's Christmas. And some of you just need to hear this this morning. You need to lower your Christmas standard. Plan on chaos. Things do not go as you planned many times. You can almost count on it. You know, family plans get complicated. Someone doesn't show up, right? Somebody's always late, no pointing. Somebody will forget the dessert. Cousin Eddie and his clan, they show up unexpected. Hello, chaos. I know some of you are going, well, I don't have anyone like Eddie in my family. Are you sure? <laughs> Hello, Eddie. <laughs> the Courier Knives Christmas that you planned there's a good chance it'll look a little more like the Griswolds Christmas. Most of the stuff we get all... It's little stuff. Okay, sure, it creates tension. Sure, there's a little relational conflict, hurt feelings. And sure, you're a little bit disappointed. Because it didn't turn out like you planned. 
but it's little stuff. I mean, the big stuff? See, the big stuff brings a perspective to the small stuff. I mean, some of you, this has been a tough year. For some of you, it's a lot of financial stress. You know, some of you lost your jobs. Some of you maybe losing your home. Some of you didn't get that bonus that that you thought you were going to get. Don't tell Eddie, okay? Maybe you're being transferred. Maybe you're dealing with a serious illness. Maybe a relationship shattered. Maybe your family is not intact. Maybe you lost a loved one and this is the first Christmas. You're going to be alone. And what I want to say today is breathe. Pause and breathe. You know, be still and know that he's God. Be still and know that he's God. You know, when the pressures, when the disappointments threaten to steal your joy and your peace, and when that fear and the worries, they overtake you, be still and know that he's God. Exalted among the nations, exalted among the earth. Mary and Joseph, they're, they're in the stable because there's, there's no room for them in the inn. No epidurals. There's no nurses, no doctors, no sterile equipment. I imagine they're weary. They're tired. They're overwhelmed. I'm quite sure they probably looked at each other a few times and just thought, God, what is going on? What is going on here? Skip down in the story. After Jesus' birth, it may have been a couple years. It may not have been. We're not really sure. But wise men travel. They come from the east. They're they're bearing gifts. They, They come to worship Jesus. And then we got chaos again. It says... When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared. No. Give me the next screen. Here. That's, that's right. That's right. Thanks. When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Do you get the picture here? Mary and Joseph have to take this trip to Bethlehem, a trip they don't want to take. They end up in a dirty stable. They have this amazing baby. And then an angel shows up and says, hey, change of plans. You're not heading back home. You're going to move to Egypt. You're going to be a political refugee for a while. A lot of hassles that first Christmas. Friends, Christmas is full of hassles. It's full of hurt. Pain does not take a vacation at Christmas. I mean, the fact is, Christmas, that season, pain's kind of actuated. You know, it's more acute. I don't know, maybe it's because we're a little more reflective this time of the year. And so we realize that, hey, what's going on? You know, why is my family struggling this Christmas? Friends, the truth is it's been that way since the first Christmas. 
It's part of life. You know, the wise men, they, they show up. They, they came to Herod. They, they've been looking for the king of the Jews, searching for quite some time. They've, they've followed the star a long way. It leads them to that, that region. And so they, they get to Jerusalem, and they went to King Herod. They needed a little uh, GPS assistance, I guess, at that point. Now, Herod, Herod's notoriously cruel. I mean, Herod had murdered several people in his family because he considered them rivals. He even had a few wives that he had eliminated because of that. Herod hears that the Magi are asking about the king of the Jews, and I'm sure he's like, I'm the king of the Jews. I mean, Herod, he's shrewd. He tries to, to trick the, the Magi, tries to trick him into helping him find this baby Jesus. And he narrows it down to Bethlehem. And then he makes a horrible decree. And we don't talk much about this. We kind of edit it out of the Christmas story. Scripture says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem in its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Herod delivers the orders. The, the soldiers get the orders. They deploy to the city of Bethlehem. Friends, I, I can't even imagine the, the horror, the pain. We don't know how many But even if it was just one, and chances are there were 20 or 30 at least, maybe a lot more. Moms and dads that were brokenhearted. Aunts, uncles, friends. I mean, this is a small community, Bethlehem is. It's a community all of a sudden overwhelmed with grief, with pain. That Christmas, there was a lot of hurt and a lot of confusion. And pain, it's part of life. Pain's part of the Christmas story. In fact, pain might be part of your Christmas story today. But friends, the pain, the pain's not the end of the story. See, I I have come to realize in life that Christmas is messy. It just is. Always has been. And the longer I live, the more I realize I don't have all the answers in life. In fact, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't have any answers. And I don't know much. But I know this, I know this room today is full of people that are dealing with a lot of disappointments and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And I also know that there is a God that loved us so much that he sent his son to this world. And I know that he came down on that glorious night. And I know that the angels sing because Jesus Christ was born. That I know. 
and I know that Jesus Christ came to deal with all the sin and all the brokenness and all the hurt and all the pain and all the suffering. And I know that in those moments when, when it all piles up on us and we feel that pain and that suffering and that confusion, that what happens is we start searching. We start searching for answers initially. And as we're searching, oftentimes, oftentimes, you end up finding love. You end up finding God. You end up finding a Savior. Now the psalmist writes, it says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. Friends, Christmas, it's a time of hope. That first Christmas, everything changed. Everything changed. The one sent to save the world, Savior of the world. Savior was born. I mean, hope took its first breath. That's why it was a glorious night. You read the entire Christmas narrative especially in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, Matthew is the one that records that Herod issued the, this order to, to, to kill Jesus. But it wasn't to be. Why? Because God had a plan. An ultimate plan. It would change everything. This is when Herod died. I want you to notice, Herod died. Jesus outlived him. An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph, always being obedient, then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. And Jesus grew up, and he matured. And there would come a day, he would die. God would allow him to die on the cross to save you and me. See, that was God's plan. God's plan, God's time. But friends, it's Christmas. Christmas has always had hassles. It's always got problems. It's always got pain. And Christmas, it is about the brokenness. It's why Jesus Christ came. Why? So so that you could bring your brokenness, your concerns, your fears, your hurts, your confusion, your sin, so that when you bring it to him, he can fill it with hope. And it's hope. I mean, it's not found on wishing upon some star unless the star's the bright morning star. Unless that star's anchored to the Savior, the Christ child, Jesus. That's why angels sing. So here's the deal. Christmas is stressful. Repeat after me. Christmas is stressful. And expectations are high. And so I want to just challenge you as we start the Christmas season. 
to just remember, plan ahead. Don't do more than you can do, all right? Don't do more than you can do. Set time aside for God. And remember, remember this, please remember this. Friends and family are more important than schedules, dinners, trees, lights, presents. Family's more important than all that stuff. And just remember, Christmas has always been messy. Always has been. And your Christmas will probably not go like you planned. It seldom does. And here's the deal. If your Christmas looks more like the Griswold's Christmas than it does a Courier and Ives Christmas, that's okay. It really is. Here's what I've found. In the midst of all that chaos, if I just look to God, just for a moment, God will show up. He always shows up. He shows up in the chaos. He shows up in the craziness. He shows up in the dysfunctionalness of our homes, in the mess. Because that's what God does. Let's stand and uh, just have a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I just pray that we uh, put our focus on you this Christmas. Oh, there are things that are going to spin out and not go the way we planned. Someone's going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, get the wrong thing. But God, I pray we'd stay focused on you. That we'd make you first. In those moments when we catch ourselves just trying to get a handle on things, that uh, we'd just take that breath and remember what it's all about. God, may we always make people first in our lives, make you first in our lives. Let all the other stuff fall where it may. God, we stand amazed today at how much you loved us. That you were willing to allow your son to leave the protection of heaven, the perfectness of heaven. Come to a world that's all beat up and broken. God, we just thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for your son. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. You know, maybe you got something going on in your life today. Maybe this is going to be a really tough Christmas season for you. There are going to be prayer teams down front. Just let them pray for you that uh, God would help you find that uh, space for him this Christmas uh, 
you know, bring some of the grief, some of the pain, and just say, you know what, God, this is going to be this is going to be a tough Christmas, but we're going to put you first. See, I know love has come because Jesus Christ is born. Jesus Christ was born. Let's sing.